Hi, this is Bill Farmer, and you're listening to Disney Vault Talk. So stay tuned. From magical movies. All it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. To unforgettable adventures. Well, once there was a princess. I'm an outlaw, that's what. That's no life for a lovely lady always on the run. From the thrill of the theater to the comfort of your home. Do you want to build a snowman? Or ride our bike around the I don't care how you kill the little beast, but do it! And do it now! You can always count on something new from Disney. That's why they call me Thumper. Necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your stuff. Look, have I got it? The magic feather. Now you can fly. Ohana means family. Just a sec. Buzz, will you get up here and give me a hand? I'm taking you to someplace pretty special. You won't find him here. <laughs> the king has returned. Join us for discussion and commentary as we open the Disney Vault with your hosts, Steve Glossin and Teresa Delgado. And hello everyone and welcome to the most magical podcast on the internet. This is Disney Vault Talk. My name is Steve Gloss and so glad to be along with you on this special episode that's a part of the Goliverse Marathon for Cure at CureChildhoodCancer.org. That's where you can find out more about that great organization that is raising money to fund research into childhood cancer to try to eradicate childhood cancer in our time. We have a very special episode as we like to do for these marathons. We've got a top 10 list that uh, I'm looking forward to. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But it's not just me. Of course it's not just me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. As always, the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk, the lovely, the talented, the powerful, Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. I'm so excited for the top ten list. So <laughs> excited. It, I'm, I am too. I was just, when I was putting these notes together, doing my part of putting these notes together, I'm like, this is going to be kind of fun. We're going to have a good time with this bad boy. And um, and I also realized just how much of a boy I am. As I was well, I this. You know what it is, too? It's the generational gap between you and me shines <laughs> through brightly. <laughs> That's right. But we're bringing it together. We're bringing the generations and the genders together in this uh, incredible, um, incredible podcast that's it is the most magical podcast on the internet and and da- and dare i say the happiest podcast on the internet i like to think it's happy yeah unless we get sad about you know oh yeah unless like we're talking animals talk- and right unless we're talking fox and the hound <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then it gets downright depressing <laughs> oh man still i still think about that episode and say we should uh just delete that one. Go back and redo it. I don't know if we can redo that. 
That's a hard one to revisit. I think it would come out the same. For sure. I got to tell you, I was listening, though, to a podcast um, <clears throat> called, it's called uh, Craig's List. Uh, it's by Craig Kukowski, who's a comedian improviser, and he has a list of his top 100 favorite movies, and he and his wife are watching them and talking about them as they go through. And on their most recent episode, they did Toy Story 3. Mm, we and, haven't breached that yet. No, but let me tell you something. When we do, Teresa, I, I it may rival Fox and the Hound. I know. I'm so scared. I don't want to do that one yet. Like, they were just talking about the one scene and just kind of describing the moments and everything. Oh and, and I'm sitting Stop there, it, I'm Steve. sitting there tearing up and laughing at myself for tearing up uh, about people just talking about this moment. It was, I'm like, I mean, they're holding hands. I know. And like, to their death. Oh, gosh. And like, mm, mm. like it gets me almost as much as the beginning of the Cars 3 trailer. Only in the movie, you're not left hanging about whether or not Lightning McQueen is dead, <laughs> which was just cruel, unusual punishment. Well, I mean, I, uh, as we, as, as they were talking about, I'm just like, because they started describing like, you know, bullseye, he's all struggling and he's trying to get up and trying to get away. And then Jesse oh just God. puts her little hand on him and he just Dang. calms down. And, uh, uh anyhow. So let's let's get off of that. Let's not talk about that till we absolutely have to. And instead, let's talk about our top ten favorite Disney TV shows. Woo! Now, Teresa, you really wanted to make some crazy rules for this thing. I didn't want to make crazy rules. It's just the rules pop up in my head when I'm thinking about how we make a list. <laughs> and and I had to debunk some of your rules. No, but it's fine because see, we hadn't talked about the rules yet, mm -hmm. so it wasn't really debunking. It was more of like brainstorming <laughs> okay all right i'll accept that i'll accept brainstorming so here let's not call them let's not call them rules let's call them criteria They're criteria <laughs> criteria yeah um it has to have disney involved in its production somehow yep whether it's airing on their networks or it's disney's blah 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 whatever the case may be yeah um we did decide it can be marvel or lucasfilm if it's after those acquisitions yes as long as it's after mm-hmm um, oh, it, we, it, I, didn't, I didn't write this one down, but we also decided that it could be a show that was aired on ABC if it was after the acquisition of ABC. Right, right. And mm -hmm. it didn't have to originally air on like a Disney Channel or a Disney XD or Toon Disney, as long as it's a Disney thing. And, it, and these are both animated and live action. Yes. We, we didn't distinguish between the two, so... Everybody loves the top ten. <laughs> Everybody loves the way we do them. Yeah, here's ours. Now we're not doing honorable mentions, so we can do it again. Mm -hmm. So we can revisit this this idea. So, uh, Teresa, let's just jump into it for time's sake. Let's just get right into this thing, and so I can make fun of you for your number ten. Okay, but hang on. So I don't want to say the names of this show. I vote we just play the intro theme. Okay, and then. We talk about them. All right. Well, here's Teresa's number 10.
Teresa. Yeah. Defend yourself. <laughs> Defe Guilty pleasure, baby. Defend yourself. I loved it. It was so fun. <laughs> it was just a really fun show. And you know, it started in March of 2006 and went until 2011. So in 2006, I was in college. Mm -hmm. And it was a great escape from college life mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed it I have I think almost all of the music is on my iPod um I really liked Hannah Montana and I liked Miley Cyrus back then I liked the movie there was a theatrical film that was released uh, in 2009 that went along with the movie or with the TV show and that was really good uh you know it, there was a show that got bumped out of this list mm -hmm. because after we made our rules, and that was Lizzie McGuire. And they mm. were both kind of there around the same time. Yeah. Lizzie McGuire was prior to Hannah Montana. It had a little bit of overlap. But they were just really fun shows for me, and it really got me to where I really liked Miley Cyrus. And even though she's kind of cuckoo bananas now, uh, I still really like her. <laughs> cuckoo bananas. <laughs> but... Uh, the thing, so the thing fun. about my, the thing about Miley Cyrus right now is, is there's still hope for Miley. You feel like you feel like she may be able to come back from her cuckoo bananas. You know, everyone goes through it. All these stars that you know have this young exposure when they're young go through it. Um, you know, but and you and it's tragic. It's 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 plum tragic is what it is. Um, but you see someone like a Lindsay Lohan who just has never been able to pull out of that that crash. It seems like. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you want people to you want people to be okay. You don't want them to be stupid, but um, you know you still hope. No, but you know what? She really is. She really is. I mean, she's she's an incredible voice for gender equality and for all of that stuff in the LGBTQ community, which is just amazing. Um, she has a really steady relationship with um, the Liam Hemsworth that she's with, and they're the cutest couple. All the pictures they post all the time, I'm like dying of cuteness but that's not about the show anyway um hannah montana was a really cute show basically this girl was a superstar musician like pop musician but she was also trying to lead her normal life which is the song it's the best of both worlds so the show is kind of about her trying to balance that go to school because she wore a wig because we all know when somebody wears a wig of a different hair color you can't tell who they are well now let me now and let me say well hold on <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't have a problem with that premise because I believe a man can put on glasses and you won't be able to tell he's Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's about her and her friends and living their life. And I think the interesting thing about Hannah Montana is I didn't watch all of it when it aired, when it was actually showing new episodes. I got the last season and a half live as it, you know, aired, mm -hmm. but the others I caught up with on Netflix, I believe, okay. or something. They were streaming somewhere, yeah. and I was able to watch them and get caught up, and then I watched about the last season and a half live. I would catch episodes on the Disney Channel, and I don't know if I always caught them when they were brand new or when they were being rerun or whatever, but I did watch it when it was actually on the Disney Channel. Is it so. is it fair to say that Hannah Montana and Lizzie McGuire kind of started this trend of these shows that are like on your Disney Channel or your Disney XD where they they try to make out like they're sitcoms? Obviously, the laughter is canned. I feel like 
You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that they're in front of a live studio audience. All the acting is kind of the same. All the jokes are kind of the same, but it's it's that, you know, it. it I guess you, you got your iCarly, you got your Lab Rats, you got those mm-hmm. kind of shows. I mean, is it fair to say that those two, Hannah Montana and Lizzie McGuire, were kind of the the start of that or was there anything before them i mean were zach and what are those zach and cody the sweet life of zach and cody those were around at the same time um so sweet life of zach and cody lizzie mcguire even stevens um wizards of waverly place and hannah montana were kind of the beginnings of all of that Mm -hmm. but i actually think even before that it was some of the ones that were done on nickelodeon yeah okay so i think it may have really stemmed from nickelodeon because you had like alex mack you had Mm -hmm. uh oh my gosh just some of the other ones that were over on nickelodeon because i actually watched a lot of the ones that were on nickelodeon and um especially with um nick at night with stick stickly or like when he did the night show with like oh what's the one with the ghosts and the the Somebody help me out here. No idea. Yeah, smart guy. Sister, sister, salute your shorts. Um, oh, hey, dude. Okay, I was going to say, uh, so are we going all the way back to hey, dude? Yes. For this type of stuff? And I guess then that... Who's afraid of the dark? Yes. Who, okay, is that the one where they're sitting around the fire every time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's going um, way back. That's going way, way back, it seems so like. So I actually have the first season of hey, dude on DVD. Um, <laughs> hey, dude. So, hey, Watch dude. out for those killer cacti. Yeah, so all of those, I think, led mm-hmm. to the Disney Channel set, which was even Stevens, Lizzie McGuire, mm-hmm. Hannah Montana, Shia Sweet LaBeouf. Life. Yeah. And then we've gotten all the ones that we have now, um, you know, like, well, That's So Raven was also one of them. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Back then, so, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I can't really say, that's all I have to say about Hannah Montana, though. <laughs> Well, it ran for four seasons, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was a smash. Don't listen. Hannah Montana is huge. Was huge. There were some good songs that came out of Hannah Montana. If too. you Just if you say so, I'll trust you. Well, I mean, you know, good mm-hmm. for like wanting that kind of music. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you know, gonna live forever and ever and ever. <laughs> right. Well. Um, my number 10 is an animated, a short-lived Shh. animated series. Just play it. Just play oh, it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Let me just play it here. One time in two town, there was cat that had it all. Fortune and fame, top of the game, up until it hit the wall. Now it makes a living downtown, walking on a brand new beat. Slipping through the new day, slipping through the new day, tripping on a two-way. Take it down a one-way street, beep, beep, beep. Who's that cop? Cracking up crying. Stop the clock. So Bonkers is um, very short-lived. They only had one season's worth of Bonkers back in the day. It, they originally had a preview of the show on Disney Channel early in 1993, and then they 
actually aired it in syndication on the Disney Afternoons block that they had a bunch of different cartoons on, some of which we'll be talking about later. But it aired from September 93 to February 94. And um, they kept running in syndication, and it was last seen on the Disney Toon channel in 2004. Um, this was a funny, legitimately funny cartoon. And the fact that it was in the early 90s, Roger Rabbit was still fresh on everyone's mind, and the idea of a cartoon taking place 100% in Toontown uh, was just really cool to me. Um, and it was one of those things that even though I was at the time like 15, 16 years old, um, well, really 16 when it aired, when it first aired, and I, and I was watching it, like I found myself laughing at it. Um, it was in, it had the same humor in the vein of like an Animaniacs and, uh, and a, a, a Tasmania um, type humor where it was a little bit subversive and a little bit grown up, but there was wacky enough that like kids would watch it. And, you know, and some of the more, um, some of the older jokes, you know, some of the jokes for the older crowd would go over their head. Not that they were dirty jokes, just, <laughs> just smart, just smart. Right. Well, you know, I mean, like you take a Shrek or something and there's jokes in Shrek Ugh. that's like, you know, they're, they're clearly meant for the older audience because they're innuendo. Well, that's not what this was. This was like, like when you watch the Animaniacs, they don't do a lot of innuendo, but they do a lot of like stuff that it'll pass you by if you're not, you know, up on certain aspects of culture and that sort of thing. Animaniacs and, is funner now as an adult. Oh yeah, yeah, and and so and it see Bonkers was the same way. It had this subversive humor to it that was actually really funny, and it genuinely made me chuckle when I watched it. And if you ever have a chance to to check it out, you should because it's a, it's just a fun little cartoon that. Um, that I have very fond memories of. I never caught Bonkers. That's the interesting thing. I must have been in 93, 94. I don't know what I was watching, but mm -hmm. I was not watching Bonkers. Well, I mean, again, it was very short-lived, and and it was one of those deals where it was in syndication during the Disney afternoons, and so some places may carry it and other places may not. You know, it, That's true. That's how those things lived. So I really Silly did. Bonkers. And Jim Cummings voiced Bonkers. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a fun show. Well, let's move on to number nine, Teresa. You're number nine. I've been waiting for a day like this to come struck like lightning. My heart's beating like a drum on the edge of something wonderful. Face to face with changes What's it all about? Life is crazy But I know I can work it out Cause I got you to live it with me Oh my God, Steve! I'm gonna get emotional, just so you know. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> well, this, well, this, hey, listen, that's what these shows do to people. They make people get all emotional. I'm emotional for a very good reason. I don't know if you're noticing the dates here. Uh, earlier this month, Disney Channel announced that Girl Meets World, which is what this show is, would not be renewed for a fourth season. Oh wow! 
And the last episode aired last night as we record. I just watched it before we started podcasting. And I was, I cried. Mm -hmm. And I tweeted out to Disney Channel. There's a lot of people that have been petitioning to Netflix to pick up the show. And I tweeted out to Disney Channel and I was like, what have you done? I mean, this is one of the few (laughs) shows that's out there for kids and for young adults and teenagers that is female focused with real life problems that they encounter and how a family and how having friends can help you get through that kind of stuff. And yes, it's it's definitely geared towards a younger audience, but I enjoyed it being a fan of Boy Meets World, which is not a Disney show. Mm-hmm. It aired on ABC, but it's not a Disney show. And this one was just, it was actually very good. Um, I know the ratings had gone down, but I also think that the show is starting to grow out of the demographic that it would normally get on the Disney Channel because the kids are now in high school. And But I think Netflix should pick it up. And it it aired for three seasons on the Disney Channel, mm-hmm. and it was a sort of continuation of Boy Meets World. Years later, um, Boy Meets World ran from 1993 to 2000 on ABC. Uh, you got to see them go through college and get married and things like that, and so it was a continuation of that. But the actors in this show were just great. I mean, they were cheesy, but they were great, and um, I love it. Yeah. It's so good. Well, it's kind of it's really the the holdout of uh, of what's kind of been lost on a lot of network television and that is those those truly family-centered almost you could almost use the term cheesy sitcoms. You know, it it's kind of the last of the uh the TGIF sitcoms mm-hmm. from back in the day, you know. I mean, that's where Boy Meets World got its start was on the TGIF lineup. Um, on ABC, and and it and it is weird. It's unfortunate what you know what is considered. I don't know. You know, I haven't been keeping up with this to know the ratings or everything, but I know that it had incredible buzz online. And a lot of times that can be a little bit deceptive because of the uh, because of how much um, we like to uh, exaggerate stuff online. But, True. But like when you get to you know the more recent era of what used to be the TGIF. Now you're looking at stuff like um, Last Man Standing and Shark Tank and, you know, all these different, like that that sitcom era is gone um, on ABC with with the family sitcoms that, you know, came out in the vein of a full house and uh, um, which is probably why Netflix is getting petitioned because, you know, if you can bring full house back for crying out loud in its second season now on Netflix, surely you can bring back Girl Meets World. But you had Family Matters and Step by Step, uh, yep. and um, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. I know was a big one back in the day. Sabrina the Teenage Witch lasted a while on TGIF. So I I just think that um, you know it, it's to me it's kind of telling of where maybe executives' minds are at. And like, well, do we really want this kind of stuff? You know, soaking up a prime time when you've got all this other stuff going on and. And I think that there's room for this type of show to make a comeback. I'm telling you, I was not a big Boy Meets World fan. It was a little bit after my time, and I miss a lot of it. But I can still watch Mr. Feeney giving the farewell to his class, mm-hmm. and tear it'll tear you up mm-hmm. every time, you know. And that's one of the things those family-style sitcoms would do so well is, 
a very special episode. You know, the joke is on a very special blossom. You know, that's kind of the joke of, <laughs> of those kind of sitcoms and everything. But you would. You'd have these very special episodes where it wasn't just they made you laugh, but they'd have you crying and then turn around with a boom, a zinger that would have you chuckling again. And um, it wasn't the cynical, you know, Thursday night lineup of NBC with Seinfeld and Mad About You and uh, friends that had some sweetness to it, but still had a had a more adult edge. It was kind of that thing. It was family sitcoms, mm-hmm. and and that and that's an art that's kind of been lost. And um, I, I just wonder. I'm surprised that it, I'm surprised that they they've canceled it. I, that that does kind of shock me. Yeah, it, it it makes me mad. But I will say that there's only one thing about this show that started getting kind of annoying, and. They just needed to let Riley and Lucas just be together, please, because clearly there's chemistry and they like each other and just let them be together because they were cute. Uh, And Lucas is from Texas. So hello. I don't know who those people are. (laughs) It's the main guy character and the main girl. Um, Corey and Topanga's daughter is Riley Mm -hmm. and Riley and Lucas just like in the last episode, they should have just let them just kiss and hug it out. I mean, come on. (laughs) Ah, Killing me. Well, um, it is a, uh, Oh, Oh no. That's not good. Carissa. Rice, put it in rice. Put it in rice. Yeah, get it in rice, Carissa. Hurry now. Go. Dump it in rice. Um, Carissa just dropped her phone in water. So yeah, we're, we're looking about. at the chat there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think the, with the right executive and the right combination that a good family comedy lineup like they used to have on TGIF is prime for a comeback. I really do. Um, I think it's just a matter of, like I say, you got to find the right there through the nineties. I mean, it was the right combination of stuff that was going on, especially in that, that first hour of it, you know, the eight to nine hour. And, um, so, I mean, Fuller house is good, mm -hmm. but it's not that good. No, it's, I mean, (laughs) I'll tell you what it's like. I mean, it's very much it, it, to me, I watched some of that first season and I felt like there were too many th- callbacks and too many winks to the audience. Yep. And uh, I've not watched any of the second season. The second season, I would say, is better. Yeah. But there is one of the kids that's just a terrible actor. Mm-hmm. He's not good. Well, and that's what you have a lot on some of these. You know, they try to find the cute kid that just ends up not quite... You know, you can't all have Leonardo DiCaprio on Growing Pains. Yeah, true so. that. And so, you know, and who who comes in and just knows his and knows his business, as it were. Um, well, my number nine couldn't be more different from yours. <laughs> Wait, where's this at? Here we go. Yeah, I was, uh, I made reservations. Hidden away inside a computer exists another world. Its creator designed it for games. But it became so much more. He called it The Grid, a digital utopia filled with infinite possibilities. He built a digital copy of himself named Clue to help create the perfect system. And he relied on the hero, Tron, to keep it free. 
or all programs who live there. But in his thirst for power, Clue betrayed his creator. Lin, go. Tron fought back. Clue was too powerful and left him for dead. Clue dispatched his armies and seized absolute control. Now, in a far off corner of the grid, a young program decides Clue must be stopped. His name is Beck. Could he be the next Tron? So in the wake of Tron Legacy, and this was, of course, prior to the Lucasfilm buyout, Disney was trying to find that property that, in their own words, would, you know, attract boys and be their property kind of thing. And and they thought Tron would do it. Again, this is one that only ran for one short season uh, between May of 2012 and January of 2013. It aired on Disney XD. Um, it's set between the original Tron and Tron Legacy. And it's one of those shows that, honestly, I started watching it and I got through the first two episodes and I'm like, I don't know that I dig this. And then they started to do things to really make all the connections to the Tron movies that you wanted to see from a from an animated series like this. And it started to get really, really good. And I think if they made a mistake, it was that they allowed it to kind of start out too slowly um, and, and and didn't just jump right into things to kind of give you the, the feeling of, oh, we're getting something special week after week, the way that, say, like a Rebels does, or at the same time this was Aaron Clone Wars does. And so um, so it didn't last that long. And it's one of those things, I, I, I still am holding out hope, you know, that that Disney will try their hand again in the Tron universe because I think there is gold to be mined there if they could just, again, find the right connection. I love Tron Legacy, and I really did like this cartoon. Again, couldn't be any more different uh, <laughs> from Girl Meets World, but it is, uh, it's definitely something that I enjoyed, and, um, and I know our friend Shaz Bazaar from Techno Retro Dads loves it, and, mm -hmm. he, and, I... and he's someone that would love to see it come back. I think I saw maybe like one or two episodes of it, but it didn't grab me, and I don't know what it was about it. I love Tron Legacy. Uh, I think that's great, and of course the music is amazing. And if that's one of the things Tron has going for it, it has great music. But yeah, the show didn't grab me. But at the same time, Disney XD was in that weird phase mm -hmm. that they're still kind of in, uh, but they're growing out of it a little as they begin to be like, Hey, we're not just for boys. Um, well, it's like we trying to figure out what, it, yeah, I think, I think the problem is, is trying to label it boys or girls when something like Disney XD, you say, this is our adventure channel, you know? Yeah. Like why not that? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. God. Um, but this, you know, unfortunately maybe because of the labels is why there's a lot of people who haven't seen it. Mm hmm. Because even back in 2012, people were getting pissed off about the boy-girl thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I know I saw just a couple of episodes of it, but I wasn't really attached to Disney XD until Rebels. Right. So, 
Well, yeah. it, and and two, it had to be an expensive show to make, not just because of the animation style, but also uh, you had a voice cast of Elijah Wood for crying out loud was Beck, um, mm-hmm. Trisha Helfer, Bruce Boxleitner, who was the original Tron, played Tron. Uh, Paul Rubens was in this thing, so you had people. You didn't. Mandy Moore was in was in it, and so you didn't really? have. Yeah, yeah. Reginald Vell Johnson. Um, wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, speaking of family matters, um, so you you had you had voice actors who were probably getting paid pretty well for their name when you could have plugged in the the usual crew of voice actors who are fantastic voice actors i'm thinking of your james arnold taylor's your stephen stanton's your um you know your younger your younger newer voice actors that they that they tend to tend to find for projects like this your vanessa marshall's your cat tabers all these people that um are established in the voice acting community and you know i'm not trying to say take money out of their pockets but obviously i think you would have saved some money I mean, you were paid with these people, just like when they when they do uh, big name voices in these animated movies. You're paying for a name, and uh, and I think that's what they were doing here. So, um, I, uh, you know, I I would like I would love to see a, a re a revival of this cartoon. I I don't I think it's uh, wishful thinking, but um, but it's definitely something I'd I'd enjoy seeing given the opportunity. Yeah. I don't know if they'll do it, but no, I don't think they they will. No, I think, I think I don't even think that Tron three is a possibility at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that they, they've settled into the star Wars stuff and they've settled into the Marvel stuff. And so what more do they need? You know, they've got the, they've got that action corner of the market, you know, part of the market cornered. And, uh, and so I don't think they feel like they need that anymore, which is, which is unfortunate because Tron is an original kind of idea, you know, from back in the eighties, mm-hmm. and um, and I and and it's something, especially now with the way the internet works and everything, and you know what happens if they get off the grid and get out into the web, you know, suddenly it gets it gets nasty. But anyhow, uh, so that's my number nine. Let's get into number eight. Here's Teresa's number eight. If I give it the volume it needs. Can't hear it if I don't have the volume up. Roadster, Mickey and the Roadster Racer. Now, you genuinely like this cartoon. I genuinely love this cartoon. Like, genuinely love it. Huh. 
Oh my God. It just started. It yeah. started January 15th of this year. It is actually replacing Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And it's one of the first shows that are in my list from Disney Junior. Disney Junior is just knocking it out of the park, man. Wow. They have great shows on Disney Junior. Mm-hmm. Um, the premise behind this is that it's about the Sensational Six, which is Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, Donald, Daisy, and Pluto. And they race around their town called Hot Dog Hills and <laughs> around the world um, with their race cars. And they have regular cars, and then they push a button, and the cars change into these roadsters. And Goofy's car is amazing, Steve. It turns into a bathtub. I saw that on the video I was just watching. And, he's... It is, and Donald's, it goes into like this cool boat thing. It's it's so fun. And the stories are really, really cute. And the characters are done really well. Bill Farmer is goofy, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very traditional to the characters of the Mickey and Minnie and everybody that I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not trying to be somebody else or be different. They're just themselves. Pete is there and he's kind of in between what he was on clubhouse, which was that he was a good guy and he's kind of like slightly evil Pete, but not all the way evil Pete. Would you say, would and you say he's mischievous? He's mischievous Pete. Yeah. And they have actual voices from the NASCAR world that will be coming in and out of the show for characters. So the very first episode had a character named Jiminy Johnson, which was NASCAR driver Jimmy Johnson. So that was super cool. And then uh, I haven't seen this Saturday's episode, but I've seen the other four and they do this really cool episode with the Queen of England. But she's like, you know, in mouse form. Hmm. or whatever and chip and dale and donald all dress in the like guard the with the red outfit with the little furry black hat mm-hmm. and they're like marching around <laughs> it's just so cute well i tell you what i love it i tell you what i like about this is i'm, I'm looking at this thing and it's got um it's got our characters looking like classic disney characters exactly um exactly you know the uh they did those shorts that were just really weird looking. Uh, the They were 2D animated. And it's like, well, you sound like the characters I know and love, but you just look weird. Especially like Goofy, who I love. Um, yeah, he was weird. Looking. You know, I'm like, eh, you look kind of weird. But here, I mean, I just, yeah. So I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, that's fun. I'm glad that's there. I don't know that it's something I could watch and get into, but it looked cool and fun. Yeah, I'm recording it right now, so I yeah. I get to watch it every Saturday. Okay. And it they did sort of like a rollout of four episodes, and each episode is sort of a two-parter. So the first part is the roadster side of it, and then the second part is um, Minnie and Daisy focused, and they're these um, characters called the Happy Helpers, and they try to help out people around the town, but it always goes just completely terrible. Mm-hmm. And they're ending up having to, like, chase stuff around. And there's this one with gorillas. And they're chasing these gorillas around town. And they end up on the top of Mickey's, um, his shop with the, with the cars and stuff. Or his garage, I guess. And (laughs) Daisy is crazy in this one. She starts trying to come up with, like, a theme song for them. And Minnie actually tells her, like, that's terrible. (laughs) Don't (laughs) sing that. (laughs) Well, now, um the the the, uh, the whole thing the whole premise are they racing each other? They do. They race each other. Yeah. 
okay. then they race other people too. There's an episode that's come out so far where they're um, racing in Italy. So they go to go to Italy and stuff. And that's pretty cool. So they're going around the world and they race in Hot Dog Hills, nice. which is the town they live nice. in. And it's just so fun. You should really watch like an episode of it. I, I think you'll get a kick out of it. I may try to give it a chance. But yeah, it's replacing Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse has been on for a really long time. And it's supposed to run in syndication, but this is going to be the replacement for it. Nice. Well, before we get to my number eight, I have two things to say. The first thing being, Teresa, we have exceeded $3,000 total. Yes! Uh, at cure. Now, if you go to geekoutonline.com/cure right now, you'll see 2769. But because of a mix-up earlier today that we discovered just before we went live, uh, you've got to tack on $235 of that total. So that brings us to $3,004 um, for the day so far. Well over halfway to our goal of 5000 And uh, Disney Vault Talk puts us over the $3,000 mark yet again. So we thank everyone who's given. Uh, since we've been since we've been going here, you're talking about Nemo Cat, aka Jennifer G. We mentioned Jedi Schwa earlier. Jonathan Maples, Yitzi, our good friend Yitzi Marcus over in Israel. Um, Mama Lowe coming in with a donation. Jeff Serling, and um, and then there was an anonymous donation, a big anonymous donation. So we thank you all for that, and we appreciate your generosity in giving to Cure, curechildhoodcancer.org. And you can still give, geekoutonline.com slash cure. If you're listening to this via the podcast feed, it's still open uh, through the end of January pretty much. So uh, please, if you if you can go, uh, go give and help us meet that goal of $5,000. Um, my number eight, doesn't. It's, it's in this new era of cartoons that don't really have a intro. Um, so, yeah, I had a hard time finding yeah, this. Yeah, so, so like, there's oh. not one, but here's a trailer for it. How about that? Disney XD's got a brand new family coming to town. Hulk smash! Yeah, not the milk and cookies type. Cake time! Why have we got my hand on it? I touched disgusting. it. I touched it. Meet Hulk. We're not monsters. We're family. Red Hulk. Never send a green Hulk to do a Red Hulk's work. Oh. She-Hulk. What kind of lunkhead builds a ship with only one bathroom? Scar. Smash, smash. And A-Bomb. Hulk's worse than my mom. Rick, Rick. Relax, bro. Now I'm just messing with you. <laughs> right here. Everyone's family is special and unique. This is way more fun than movies. But this one. Scar attack. Loves. Come get some. Two. Now we're cooking smash. Yeah. Family outings? Oh, yeah! Will never be the same. <laughs> Family. Marvel's Hulk and the Agents of Smash premieres Sunday, August 11th on Disney XD. So, obviously, that's Hulk and the Agents of Smash. Uh, this is a show that ran uh, a couple of seasons, in fact, uh, from uh, 2013, August 2013 to uh, June of 2015. And... Um, because I love the Hulk, I had to check it out. And, you know, it's a little bit... I think the mistake they made was they tried to make it too cute and funny. They tried to make it too jokey. Um, but that's what happens a lot of times with the Hulk, where, where people who write the Hulk don't really know what to do. Either they take him way too dark and scary, or they try to make it a little too funny. And it's hard to find... Some people apparently have a hard time finding that balance. But um, there was some great voice acting in this. 
in this show. Fred uh, Tadeschior, I don't know how you say his name, but he is kind of the official Hulk voice in animated form these days. Clancy Brown uh, played the Red Hulk. Seth Green was in this thing. Eliza Dushku played She-Hulk. James Arnold Taylor played the villain, the leader. Um, And it was just a really... uh, I, I... it, it got better. It's one of those things that got better as it went on. You know, it, it didn't, uh, they, they got into some fun stuff with, uh, with the Marvel universe. In fact, there's an episode, a uh, couple of several episodes with J Jonah Jameson played by JK Simmons, who played J Jonah Jameson in the first three Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> So I just, I loved it. It was a fun show. It was a really fun show with a lot of great talent uh, throughout the, the series. You know, people would drop in, of course, and, and be different things. Um, and, uh, and I just, uh, like, just looking at some of these things is just amazing. Some of the people that got in for some different roles. Um, Brent Spiner playing the Silver Surfer. Uh, Terry Crews. Terry don't like Terry Crews played Blade. Um, Maurice LaMarche, um, famously uh, uh, the brain of Pinky and the Brain fame, played Dr. Doom uh, in in an episode. Phil Lamar was in this thing a couple of times. Uh, Corey Burton, uh, who's, you know, voice actor extraordinaire. Um, so, so many people stepped in and it was just so much fun. Adrian Pazdar played Iron Man. Adrian Pazdar right now is, uh, Glenn Talbot on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but you also may know him from Heroes. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was just a fun show. And like I say, it was a little bit, um, a little bit too cute and funny at times, but it was, it was also creative in a great way to, it was a great gateway for someone to kind of introduce them into the Marvel universe. And that's one of the things that I, what got me into comics years and years ago was cartoons, superhero cartoons. And so when I encountered these superheroes that I'd been watching via cartoon on, on the page, it just sucked me in even more. And, um, and I, and I feel like this was a good gateway for, for superhero love for, for the kiddies out there that might have picked it up. But, again, two seasons. And that team, you know, the, the thing about a lot of these animated series nowadays is they tend to have a very limited life. Like, it's almost like it's built in. We'll give you one or two seasons, see how it goes, and then the most you may get is three. Um, and I don't know what that model is about. I don't know if it's about trying to keep it fresh or whatever, but sometimes it feels like they don't have a chance to really get a life and breathe the way they used to. That's the old man Steve talking there, Teresa. It's all good. I don't know this show. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, I, I'm all, my picks are all boy picks, pretty much. I just much. don't know much when it comes, I mean, I'll be honest. I like the superhero movies. I like the characters. Mm-hmm. actually love the characters. But I don't know much about them right. outside of, Sure. The movie universe. Yep. I just don't. I didn't. I grew up with X Men primarily, mm-hmm. and that's about it. Oh, so. we, we could have used you to clarify some things in the last episode, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on to where are we at? Number seven? Yep. Number seven. Here's Teresa's number seven. Banana, 
Well, there it is. Lion Guard, baby. The Lion <laughs> Guard. I love Lion Guard. Well, tell me about it. You've been watching it since it started airing. I have I have watched it since it started airing, yes. Um, so the original, like, what it, it premiered as a movie, and James Earl Jones came back to play Mufasa because this is a story about Simba's son, Kion. He also has a daughter named Kiara. Kiara is the star of the movie Lion King 2, and she will become the queen of the Pride Lands because she was born first. So Kion is her, her younger brother, and he's not going to become king. So he discovers that he has a calling that there has always been a group of lions that have been known as the lion guard and they help protect the pride lands and he is called to be the new leader of the lion guard and to create the new lion guard well traditionally the lion guard is always made of lions but for him all of the people that to him should be the ones that are protecting the pride lands come from all walks of life there's a hippopotamus there's like an egret bird there's a cheetah and a honey badger named Bunga. Bunga's hilarious. And together they make the Lion Guard. They're kind of like animal superheroes, and they get these little marks on their on their fur. And uh, Kion has a special power where he can roar, and he calls like all of the elements and the lions come from the clouds, and they do whatever needs to be done to mm-hmm. help protect the Pride Lands. It's so cool. He has like, it's crazy because you think about when little Simba was trying to roar and he's like, rawr, rawr. Kion's roar is scary, deep roar <laughs> when he hmm. does his lion guard roar. And it's really, really good. So it began, it, the TV movie was in November of 2015. It actually began in January of this year. And it shows on Disney Junior and Disney Channel. And it has been renewed for a second season and it takes place in between the original Lion King and Lion King 2. Now, how does that work? What what is I thought what's the Lion King 2 about? The Lion King 2 is about Kiara learning that she has a role to play even though she's still young. And she actually meets one of Scar's descendants from a pack of lions or a pride of lions that has been banished from the Pride Lands. And his name's Kovu. And it's this really interesting story about Simba being so biased against against Scar's descendants that he doesn't want to even give Kovu a chance. And um, Kovu does make appearances in The Lion Guard. And it the movie ends well. But Lion King 2 is actually pretty good. Okay. All right. But... Oh my gosh, it's so good. But you know what really makes it great are the hyenas in The Lion Guard. And the head hyena, Janja, is actually played by Andrew Cashino, who is Saw Gerrera from The Clone Wars. Oh, wow. Okay. And he is... I got a chance to interview him and talk to him a little bit about The Lion Guard. And he is a hip-hop artist, and mm-hmm. he actually has been able to write songs for mm-hmm. the show. And I put a link here for you. This All is right. one of the songs from the hyenas that they sing, and it's actually Andrew singing, and it's just so cool. Tonight, we outlanders will feast hyenas and vultures alike. Tonight, we strike. <laughs> Outlands. It's better to make your own rules. Ask anyone outside the Pride Lands. The circle of life is for fools. 
go where we want when we want to, and we eat as we eat as we please. That Kion can't give us a curfew. Or tell us to stay in the trees. No, tonight we strike, tonight we strike. No one's safe, so the tide is is ready to defend the pride lands from harm we'll make them all feel unsteady we'll give them cause for alarm i got a bop in there <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's tonight we strike. So they have songs. This is like this becomes a musical cartoon, I guess. Then not every episode does, but mm-hmm. they do. Okay. Um, but what's really cool, Rafiki's in it. Oh and yeah. And Rafiki is kind of like the Lion Guard's mentor because he knows the most mm. about all of the different Lion Guards, and they actually go and hang out with him in his tree, which is kind of cool. Uh, then they're, well, I guess it's not really in his tree. They have like a, they have like a hideout that's kind of like their clubhouse. Okay. But it's, it's, it's got a lot of the stuff you like from the Lion King with obviously some stuff geared more towards kids like Disney junior type things, but it's a really good balance. And the only thing that is kind of annoying, but also kind of fun, it's, again, fine line is they have a lot of these little African phrases and words that are they're t- turned into catchphrases, and so they say them a lot sometimes, and sometimes too much. But that's probably the only thing that I would have as a complaint. Nice. Well, I I mean it looks fun. I mean I, you can't beat a superhero theme. Like yeah. it seems like I mean right down to a secret hideout. I mean come on, <laughs> doesn't get much better than that. Um, well my number seven. Uh, another boy pick. Now look, I ain't gonna lie to you. That opening gets me so jazzed. I love that opening of that cartoon. That's Avengers: The Earth's Mightiest Heroes, <laughs> and uh, I, it is it is just a ba opening right right out of the gate. But also, this cartoon to me was so cool. It aired on Disney XD, and it's when I I really started getting back into having like I would DVR this. I I can't remember if it came on. Saturday mornings or not, but I would DVR this along with some other cartoons and end up watching them when I got up on Saturdays. 
um, for a while during this time. And I just really, when I found this cartoon, I fell in love because um, it was the, probably the best of any cartoon Marvel had put out at that point. Like, I remember the 90s with the X-Men, and that was a good cartoon, and it followed real close to some of the comics and stuff with a few diversions here and there. And the Spider-Man cartoon in the 90s was was good. It was a little too angsty with Spider-Man for me. And, and both of those shows, and then everything that came out after those things kind of just fell really flat for me until this hit. Because what this did is it was a comic book come to life on screen. And it told a, a continuous story that you didn't... If you missed episodes, you didn't feel like, well, gosh, I got to go back and catch up. But if you had seen the previous episode, it played right into what you were watching. And it was, and so they had these great story arcs that would carry through without leaving you confused and, and scratching your head as to what's going on. It had a, and then it had an old school feel to it. Now, this, I'm going to get really geeky here. Um, there's something in comic art called the Kirby Crackle. And what that is, is the way Jack Kirby used to draw comics is he would draw um, energy with a, you could just almost feel the crackle with it, with all the different, with all these circles and stuff surrounded by all this energy, this lightning type energy. Like they incorporated that style into a lot of what they would do on this show. And I mean, it was almost a who's who of Marvel characters who came through on this show, whether it would be... Um, in 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 the villains that were coming on or guest starring uh superhero roles and that sort of thing um unfortunately it only lasted like two seasons uh because right around that time uh avengers came out to theaters and it was such a huge hit that i guess the powers that be felt like they needed to have a avengers cartoon that played more into the cinematic universe feel and so they ended this cartoon and they launched avengers assemble which in my opinion isn't quite as good it's just it, it, it's too beholden to uh the movies universe and it doesn't quite um it doesn't seem to breathe with the same freedom that this would this would breathe with let me i'll just read the, the description real quick that just you know, it pumps <laughs> me up after 74 villains break out of prison Marvel's most powerful superheroes team up to capture them all and also defend Earth from widespread threats. So you had the underlying theme of we got to get, you know, there's a list to go after. Got to catch them all. Yes. And then, but then you go from <laughs> that into there were other things that would happen. There were other things that would come into play, um, you know, in, in this show, like where, where people would show up, people from Atlantis would show up. You had uh, Baron Zemo showed up at one time to take revenge on Captain America, as he do. Um, yeah, all Atlantis? this stuff. Huh? Yeah, Atlantis. Yeah, there's an Atlantis in the Marvel Universe. Okay. It's run right. by it's run by Namor, the Submariner. But there's okay. also other Lamant. Uh, there's a place called Lemuria, which is also an underwater place. They're bad guys. Um, but Loki would be in this thing from time to time. You, you Peter Parker started to dip in and out. And they actually spun off into a Spider-Man cartoon from this. So just it was just such a fun, fun show that I absolutely loved. And I, I felt like it was gone too soon. No. Yeah. But. So you don't like Avengers Assemble? I just I don't like it as much. It doesn't. It's not as fun to me as, as this was. I, I'm trying to. I've got to get back into Guardians of the Galaxy because I really dig what they're doing with that show. 
Um, the animation's a little weird. I know we've talked about that before. Yeah. Um, but man, they use like classic vinyl soundtrack and everything to it. I mean, they really make it feel like the movie and try to have the fun of the movie with it and everything. But, um, but yeah, so yeah, it was, it, I just, this was just so good. And it, and again, it was one of those things that I feel like you could put a kid in front of it and he would totally be turned on to the superheroes he was watching because it was colorful and it was it was exciting and there was action and everything. So um, it was a great, another great gateway cartoon, um, you know, to get into that world of comics and superheroes and stuff. He or she would get into He or she, I'm sorry, he or she. Uh, so that's my number seven. Moving on to number six now. This is Teresa's number six. Make sure I can play this bad boy up here. Here we go. Now, Teresa, I know that you've had mixed a uh, mixed relationship with this ever I since. I have it... had a mixed relationship with this show, <laughs> but it is number six. Yeah. So you have you come around on it then? I have. Uh, okay, so Elena of Avalor premiered in July of 2016. If you guys recall, I was a little bit pissed off and angry at it because <laughs> it was a Latin American princess, an official princess, but that it was going to be on a TV show and not a movie. And that really upset me, but I recorded it and I've actually been catching up because obviously I wasn't watching it cause I was protesting, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to watch it. And so I've been watching it and I'm almost all the way caught up now. And it is such a wonderful show. And I hope that it spurs Disney to make an actual movie a theatrical mm-hmm. film with her because it's amazing. And you know what? One of the reasons that I decided to actually watch it when we went to Disneyland in November, I saw so many little girls dressed up as Elena. Oh, wow. So many. And I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to watch it. And I've watched it to the point that Greg knows that that's what I'm watching when he hears just like the second of the music and he's like, he's watching Elena. (laughs) Uh, But there's magic in it, which Mm -hmm. is really cool. There's this, the premise behind it is very neat and there's, it's huge on family and it's huge on Latin American culture. They did a whole episode about Dia de los Muertos, which was really, really neat and I just am so I'm enjoying it so much. And she is a wonderful character. Um, you know, it has been renewed for a second season, and it does air on Disney Junior and Disney Channel. And it's just 
It's actually really good. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you've come around on it. It looks like it's got a, a good mix of uh, magic and adventure and everything else that you want from it does. a show like It this. really does. It has some good male characters in there, too. You can't really figure out exactly who the villain is, which is kind of neat, hmm. because you think it's one person sometimes, and then, you know, sometimes there's magical creatures. There's these things called the Jockwins, and they're basically like flying what look like cheetahs, and they're so funny. They're hilarious. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I put the song there in Spanish too. Cause I was like, well, how appropriate when I searched for the theme, <laughs> I got Spanish, the Spanish version first, and then I found the English version. And I thought that was really neat. That's funny. Opening so. Latino, Elena de Avalor. We'll listen to a little bit of it. Musical Latina Extreme. <laughs> oh, you know what's another good thing about this particular show? What's that? At the commercial breaks, it's actually um, kids that are of Latin American descent that talk about women and men that come from different Hispanic, or not Hispanic, but different Latin cultures mm -hmm. that have done amazing things, whether they're lawyers or doctors or all of this stuff, and they highlight all of these adults mm -hmm. of latin american descent hmm. that are making changes in the world on a grander yeah. scale and that is cool well let me let me ask you about this because sometimes when you when when a company or, or a group tries to make sure that they're being culturally relevant to to one culture sometimes they go a little too far and become a little too stereotypical do you get any of that in this i don't feel it okay i think you know I think they do a really good job. I think that she interacts with a lot of um, other cultures. Like mm -hmm. she's, so she could be the queen, but she's chosen to stay a princess and to learn from her grandmother and her grandfather because she knows that she's not ready. Okay. And so she's learning from other cultures and mm -hmm. stuff too, cool. and trying to learn how to become the queen that Avalor deserves, mm -hmm. which is really neat. And she has a lot of interaction with her younger sister. I'm not the uh, queen that Avalor deserves, but I'm the one and, that it needs. <laughs> and she has to deal with the death of her parents, of course. Mm, of course, yes, yes. <laughs> so. Great. Good for her. Uh, all right. Um, well, Teresa, the streams have finally crossed. Yep. My number six is your number five. And we are, we're, we're about to get into the real meat, ladies and gentlemen.
first of all, Teresa, well done in finding a great quality of song there because I could not find a good quality version of this when I was looking for it last night. You are so very welcome. So well done on that. I found it when I was watching episodes of Chippendale Rescue Rangers on YouTube. Nice. Well, uh, <laughs> talk, a, talk a little bit about this for us. I'll let you, I'll give you the honors. Okay, uh, I'll give you the stats, and then we'll get into it. Okay. So it started in 1989, mm-hmm. of March of 1989, and it actually ended in November of 1990. It's not very long. Hmm. For something that rings in my memory as being a lot longer, mm-hmm. it was not very long. But part of that is because it was syndicated mm-hmm. from 1990 to 1993 as part of the Disney Afternoon lineup. Yep. It only had a 65 total episodes, and they were not in your traditional seasons. Yeah, but, there was three very non-traditional seasons. Yeah, but you think about 65 episodes of something is three seasons worth of television. Right. You know, that's more than, that's 22, 22, and then a, and then a 20, 21 episode season. And that's a, yeah, that's the, a standard season. But the way they had it listed was weird. Season three was like only five episodes. Right, right. So I don't know how they, how they are categorizing that Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. whatever but what i also thought was interesting was that they appeared i knew they appeared on darkwing duck Mm -hmm. i do not remember them appearing on aladdin but apparently they did oh you were they oh they do there's like a little there's a quick yeah you can find it and look it up and then they were on bonkers raw tunage and robot chicken Mm mm-hmm yeah now, the appearance on Robot Chicken, I was reading about it. I never saw it, but I want to see it because it sounds hilarious. I mean, it's typical Robot Chicken poking fun at stuff and having a good time. Yeah, with it. but apparently Gadget tries to make fun of the fact that the boys don't have to wear pants. Mm-hmm. So she's not wearing any pants. <laughs> <laughs> but I love Gadget. I was actually watching some episodes when I was doing the show notes for this and i was watching the one where it was them with these this family of squirrels Mm -hmm. and this little squirrel that loves chip and she's calling him chipper and he's like stop calling me chipper and he like makes her cry (laughs) i was like dang chip savage uh but yes i do love this one although i always thought that their hot air balloon shippy thing was like a hot dog (laughs) yeah it does it does look like a hot dog but it's like a balloon and a bleach bottle and a bunch of other stuff put together. They had some cool um, McDonald's toys and Happy Meals mm-hmm. with this, I remember. My little brother and sister getting back in the day. Um, this was just a fun show. I mean, this was kind of, in, in a way, the follow-up to, like, your DuckTales. This was, you know, a big staple of that Disney afternoon lineup. And it was during this time where it seemed like what Disney was doing for these afternoon lineups was just churning out tons of episodes to just go straight to syndication. Mm-hmm. And um, and this was one of those that's just super memorable. And I, I'm embarrassed and ashamed that I was a grown man before it was pointed out to me that uh, Chip is dressed kind of like Indiana Jones and Dale is meant to be Magnum P.I. You didn't know that? Uh, it just, I, it didn't dawn on me until later on in life. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, which is funny because the way those characters are connected, of course, Tom Selleck was going to be Indiana Jones, but he couldn't do it because he was committed to um, Magnum P.I. So. Yep. 
<laughs> so they're kind of spiritual cousins, and it just works out that Chip and Dale. I, this is a fun show, and they've got it's a great supporting cast around Chip and Dale. Um, Monterey Jack is a fun character, <laughs> you know, and it and it really does it harkens back to almost like they were trying to do a Rescuers com, uh, cartoon. Kind of, yeah. And, uh, you know, because you got a little bug and everything in there. What was his name? Oh, man, I don't remember. But he's, what is he? He's like a flyer. Yeah. Cricket or something. And uh, and so, and so you know, it, it really did feel kind of like a rescuer's thing. And I'd be interested. I'd, I haven't dug into the history too much of it. But I would be interested to know if, if maybe that's kind of what the plan might have been. Because you look at the timeline and you're not far away from rescuers down under. Look at this. Series creator Tad Stone's original concepts for a series did not include Chip and Dale. The cast Stone's originally suggested a series based on the Rescuers, but Katzenberg rejected it as the work on Rescuers Down Under was beginning in the feature department. Of course, Katzenberg did. Which Katzenberg, <laughs> if you'd have let it be a Rescuers thing, guess what? Rescuers Down Under may have had a little bit more exposure. I don't understand the rejection of synergy. But anyhow, that's none of my business. Um, <laughs> so yeah it definitely feels that way but I this was a fun cartoon it was fun to see you know it it was very imaginative the way they would use all those little things like we mentioned the um, the uh, uh, what the uh, the ship and everything with the balloon and the bottle and all um, I'm getting here it's saying Peter Cullen was Monterey Jack as was Jim Cummings Mm-hmm. How does that work? Um, he Jim Cummings voiced him in the pilot in seasons four and five. Okay. See, because they did... Uh, I don't know how they do seasons for these shows. Mm-mm. Because it just doesn't make sense to me. Nope. But there must there's episodes that Jim Cummings did and episodes that Peter Cullen did. But what I always loved about this show is Chip's voice is so like high pitched and squeaky and Dale is like super deep. <laughs> well, I mean, like, it goes all the way back to the old, to the old Chip and Dale cartoons. So. I know, which I love. I'm just like, Chip's my favorite. He's so that was my favorite. That was my number six and your number five. Yep. Oh, it's his name is zipper. He's a bluish green house fly. All right, that's kind of the bug. That's disturbing. <laughs> that color of housefly. Um, so my number five uh, is a sat was a Saturday morning staple for me for the longest time. Dashing and daring, courageous and caring. With stories to share All through the forest They sing out in chorus Marching along As their song fills the air Gummy bears Bouncing here and there And everywhere I adventure that's beyond compare They are the gummy bears Magic and mystery Are part of their history Along with the secret Of gummy berry juice Right 
Anyone who knows me knows that I am obsessed with Saturday morning cartoons. This is a show that started out in 1985 on NBC. It's the way that many of my Saturday mornings started, was with the Gummy Bears. And it ran until 1991. Um, it started out on NBC, as I said, later seasons. The last two seasons actually aired on ABC when it would uh, air alongside The New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Um, yep, it was uh, it was on Disney Channel from October of 1991 to at least January of 97, and later on Toon Disney. The most recent televised occurring was as far back as 2001. Um, Michael Eisner was inspired to get this produced when he was buying candy for his son. So they're definitely based on the candy. Um, and they're on DVD. Seasons 1 through 3 are on DVD since 2006. I don't know if how easy or hard they are to find, or maybe they're down in the vault somewhere. Uh, but this was a fun... I mean, this is your typical each character... I mean, it's almost like the seven dwarves put into bear form. You know, take out a couple of dwarves and throw the good ones in there. You had your kid who was always all over the place. You had your, your, you know, your teenage girl who was too cool for school. You had your big fat tummy gummy who I loved. You had Grumpy Gummy, who was the dad of all, and then uh, and then the Mama Gummy, and um, and they had some human friends, and there were ogres they would fight, and then there was like the bad guy, who always rolled his eyes, um, and it was just it was a fun cartoon, and it was really it was high adventure for, you know, and and I don't know, um, I don't know if Disney was doing anything else on Saturday mornings at this point yet. I really don't. Um, in the early 80s, I'm not aware I don't of it. know. Yeah, I'm not aware of anything else they were doing on Saturday mornings at this point. Um, it would be later on when they'd start doing your Disney afternoons and stuff where they would air stuff on Saturday mornings and in the afternoons during the week on syndication. So, fun show, fun show. And I know it's your number three, Teresa. It is my number three. And the reason that I know Gummy Bears is not because of its original airing. I know it from when it was paired alongside New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. So for me, it was like bear hour. (laughs) (laughs) Gummy Bears, Pooh Bear, Gummy Bears, Pooh Bear. You know what? I take that back. There was something else that Disney had done that was on at this time. And I think it aired on CBS around maybe before the Muppet Babies came on, but it was a show called Muppet the, Babies. It was a show called The Wuzzles or The Woozles. Yes, The Wuzzles. Was yep. it Wuzzles or Woozles? Wuzzles. And, uh, with, and that, the, with the U. Yeah, and it was, uh, that was a cartoon that Disney did. Um, it was a little more cutesy than the Gummy Bears. Gummy Bears, you know, you could watch and feel like a, feel like a man because <laughs> they were, because they were fighting the good fight. They were fighting for the side of good and everything. And when, and what was funny, the gummy berry juice, when the gummy bears drank it, they bounced all over the place. They bounced here, there, and everywhere. everywhere. When humans drank it, they got super strong. And so, much like Steroids? the... Steroids? Uh, well, no, I mean, like, it was almost like a, a Pac-Man's power pellet, you know, because it didn't last. It would wear off. And it was almost like Gargamel always trying to chase the Smurfs down. You know, that's really what this what the bad guy was always after was the gummy berry juice. And because humans couldn't make it, only gummy bears could. Mm-hmm. So they had the secret. Oh, and there was a there was Didn't... a magician gummy. I forget what his name was though. Oh, let me look. Um let's see. Gummy Glenn. It's where they live. Mm-hmm. Gruffy Gummy. That was the yeah, he he was the he was the kind of the dad. 
Zummy Gummy? I think Zummy Gummy was the the older the magician. Yeah. No. Yeah, he's the magician. He's the keeper of the gummy wisdom. Mm -hmm. And later, the holder of the gummy medallion, which mm -hmm. he used to read his magic book. Yep, yep. Grammy Gummy. Yeah, she was the one that was always making the gummy berry juice. Tummy Gummy. Yeah. <laughs> Sunny Gummy. That's the pre -teen. Sunny Gummy was the girl, yeah. Cubby Gummy. That's the little pink one. Yeah, yep. yep. And Augustus Gusto Gummy. He would come in later. He's the cousin Oliver of the gummy bears. Yep. He was like the I've traveled the world and know things kind of, you know. And so Sonny was like, how you doing all the time with him? He was like the rock star. <laughs> I loved it. I thought yeah. it was great. I remember it so much. Didn't they used to have like cookies and like candy with the gummy bears on them? Well, there's... Like they actually sold Disney gummy I bear don't, I don't gummy know. Bears. I don't know about that. Um, I just know there's such thing as gummy bears. I thought they did. You know, so. I uh, mean, that would be if they didn't. That was a terrible, <laughs> a terrible marketing angle they missed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess it had to. Um... No one owns gummy bears. Well, Harbo. I mean, I don't know. It just depends on how you spell it, I guess. True. So, um, so that was that was my number five. We've traveled your number five. My number five. And my number three. And now, and that was your number three, but now we really converge, Teresa, on uh, on this one, our number four, as I pull it up here. Life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg, race cars, lasers, aeroplanes, it's a duck blur, might solve a The one that started all, Teresa. No ponytails or cottontails and ducktails. Woo-woo. Now, here's the thing. Mm hmm It was not on that long. Three Again, years. All these shows, not on long. Yeah, but when it you... But 100 episodes over three years. I mean, you think No, thinking, I know. That's this was five days a week, so... This was crazy. Yeah. So, I learned some stuff, so I did my traditional DVT thing mm -hmm. and got us some history for all this right. one, since it's our... Convergence. Oh, I don't even have the uh, I don't even have the, the the sound drop pulled up. Ah, that's okay. So it started in September of 1987. It ended in November of 1990. There were four seasons, what they call seasons, a hundred episodes, and mm -hmm. it had a spinoff theatrical film, Ducktales: The Movie, Treasure of the Lost Lamp, that yep. came out in August of 1990. Still never seen it. I think I have. I think I have. Not exactly sure. Now, in February of 2015, they did announce a revival show of DuckTales that will be on Disney XD coming out this year. Mm -hmm. 
So that's very exciting. And on a previous episode of Disney Vault Talk, we have played the new cast singing the DuckTales theme song, but we do have it here, and we can play it. We have it here for you right now, right here on Disney Vault Talk. The theme to DuckTales. is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. Race cars, lasers, aeroplanes. It's a duck blur. Might solve a mystery or rewrite history. Duck sales. Woo! Every day they're out there making duck sales. Woo! Tales of daring do bad and good luck tales. Danger, watch behind you. There's a stranger out to find you. What to do? Just grab onto some ducktails. Woo! Every day we're out there making ducktails. Woo! Tales of daring, do bad, and good luck tales. Woo! Not pony tales or cotton tales. No ducktails. Woo! I love the part when David Tennant starts singing. Yeah, and he's like, he, he hits that high note, and he's like, woo! Like, he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is another, here's the thing. I, I look at that cast, and it's like, man, I just feel like in some ways they're paying, Not they're all super talented, and I think they'll do a great job, but I'm just like, are you paying for names here? When the name is DuckTales, like you could, you could get, I don't know, I don't want to say cheaper because that sounds cheap, but you know what I mean. Maybe these people had a genuine interest. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they did. Listen, I'm not saying they don't. I'm just, it's just kind of a, it's it's a great cast. It's a high quality actors and comedians cast there. So here's a little background on the show. It was the most successful of Disney's early attempts to create high quality animation for a TV animated series. Mm -hmm. And those earlier ones would include the Wuzzles and the Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Yeah. And they invested a far greater amount of money into this TV series than they had ever done before. Mm-hmm. And it was considered a very risky move because animated TV series were generally considered to be low-budget investments. And they decided not to do that. Now, mm-hmm. most of the DuckTales episodes were animated in Asia by companies such as Wang Film Productions of yeah. Taiwan and Tokyo Movie Shinsha of mm. Japan. So they were not actually animated here. But it was very successful, so there you go. Now, in 2009, IGN listed DuckTales as the 18th best show in the top 100 best animated TV shows. And in 2013, WatchMojo.com ranked DuckTales as the number one animated Disney series. Now, I didn't know that DuckTales had Daytime Emmy Awards or was even nominated. Found that out when we were looking this stuff up. In 88 and 89, it was nominated for an Outstanding Animated Programming. In 89, it won for Outstanding Animated Programming for Programming One Hour or More. And the episode Super DuckTales Mm -hmm. was the one that was nominated, and it won. And in 1990, it won for Outstanding Film Sound Editing for the movie, Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. And uh, that's awesome. (laughs) So, DuckTales. DuckTales. I love Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I think that's why I like this one so much, because it was about, and Scrooge, 
Scrooge is awesome. I uh I yeah I I just like the world they built. Like they built a whole universe. They had great supporting cast. You know, everyone from Gizmo to um to Launchpad. Uh Webigail was a you know, an introduction into the whole duck thing and you always wondered, well will Donald show up at any time? And I think he did on an episode or two. Um I may be just misremembering that, but yeah, this was such a fun and I remember watching in the afternoons. I mean 1987 i was 10 years old i was just the right age for this thing um you know for a year or so and uh i it was it was afternoon appointment television for me when i got home from school it came on at four o'clock i remember and uh and i would i would watch the heck out of this show and it, it remains one of my favorites you know and it and it was it was something different and special and we talked about on a recent geek out loud this morning um you know, uh, animation houses like Filmation and Hanna-Barbera and even Deke and Sunbow, like these are, these are companies that they, they found these shortcuts to animation. And even though, you know, that the, they, the Disney says they invested a lot more money into this TV series than they had at the, you know, any other animated series at the time. When you look at the Wuzzles and the Adventures of Gummy and, and the Adventures of Gummy Bears, you could see in those cartoons, uh, even a higher quality than what was being done from the it was Disney it was Disney quality mm-hmm. and um you know and this just happened to be the one to pay off for them in a big bad way but afternoon tv was still pretty strong in syndication for kids at that time uh you know during the week and um and I think it just plays right into it it was such a it was fun it was so much fun and I I, I are they available on DVD that is a good question. I was actually just thinking about that while you were talking. I will. Because this would be this would be fun to revisit. So, oh, I agree. Well, while you do that, we're, we'll jump to number three. We we said yours is gummy bears. We've talked about gummy bears a little bit, uh, and I'll just go ahead and get to my number three, which I always thought was a spinoff of this show, but it's not apparently. We'll talk about that. Talk about a TV show. Darkwing Duck is, it was another one of those, Darkwing Duck, like Bonkers, had a humor to it that was almost subversive in the way that things were said, in the playoff of the superhero tropes. Um, He had a great, uh, did Darkwing Duck, he had a great rogues gallery, all kinds of fun villains. There was even the, kind of the bizarro Darkwing Duck, Nega Duck, and, um, and it was just there was a great mythology that was created in this, and it was also kind of in the vein of that, you know, bumbling hero in the in the vein of like an Inspector Gadget kind of situation where 
it were the people behind him. It was the people rather behind him that, um, that, uh, caused him to, to be successful. This was another one that was on Disney afternoons in syndication and they would air on Saturday mornings on ABC from 1991 to 1992. You're talking about in that time, 115, that's not right. 15 months, not 115 months, 15 months. There were 91 episodes that aired. Um, so five times a week plus Saturdays and it was just so much fun. And really it was, I think it was because Launchpad McQuack was in this, in this series that people thought it was a spinoff of DuckTales, but Tad Stones who created a lot of these series apparently said that the two shows existed in different universes, which is disappointing because I'd like to imagine that Darkwing Duck could have an adventure with Huey, Dewey, Louie and Uncle Scrooge at some point. Yeah, I I watched Darkwing Duck too. I didn't like it as much as DuckTales, but it was it was he was funny. Well, he had um, some great one-liners. Yeah, he did. Now, DuckTales is available on DVD. Uh I don't know if it's still in print, but there are you can get your hands on them. It volume 1, volume 2 and volume 3. On volume 1, there's the first 27 episodes. Volume 2 has episode 28 to 51 and volume 3 has episode 52 to 75 and there's no word as of now about a fourth one that would come out that would have the final 25 episodes they came out in 2005 2006 and 2007 so I doubt we're getting it and the episodes are in order as they originally aired except for the five part serial treasure of the golden suns which is at the beginning Hmm. of the volume 2 Well, I want to uh, I want to play. I want to see if this if this video will be any good. It's um It's it's all of his it's it's some of his terror that flaps in the night one line that Darkwing <laughs> Duck gave. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the switch that derails your train. I am Darkwing Duck. <laughs> I am the thing that goes bump in the night. I'm the neuroses that requires a $500 an hour shrink. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the jailer who throws away the key. (laughs) I am... feeling really stupid. Boy, I hit it when I'm early. You'd think criminal masterminds would be more punctual. Please accept my apologies. Well, okay, but next time you... Taurus Bubba, how did you... Where... Um, uh, I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am... I'm the su- surprise in your cereal box. <laughs> I am... <laughs> There's one time where he's like, I am the gum that sticks to your shoe. Uh, he's, I just loved him. He, those one-liners of his were great, and it was just a fun, again, subversive kind of comedy. And um, it's just, it's, it's one of my, one of my favorites of all time, Darkwing Duck. So that was my number three. Teresa's was Gummy Bears, and we've already talked about. And here's Teresa's number two. I imagine this was kind of hard for you, Teresa. It was. Oh, here we go. Gotta get up. Gotta get going, I'm gonna see a friend of mine He's round and he's fuzzy, I love him because he's just Boo Bear, Winnie the Boo Bear Looking for fun, chasing some honeybees Boo Bear, I know he's out there Rumbly-tumbly, climbing a honey tree But never ends for us, 
of course, Winnie the Pooh was in your top ten. Yeah. Well, the reason I love this show so much is because it gave the ability for some of the smaller Pooh Bear characters to have a lot of screen time, like Owl and Kanga and Roo and Gopher and Rabbit, because it was, you know, a TV show with multiple episodes, and so it didn't just have to be focused on Pooh Bear and Palet and Eeyore and Tigger, which was really, really nice. And the stories were so funny. There's this one... Oh, I forget what it's called, but they put on a play, and they get to be cowboys. <laughs> like, they go to the nice. Old West, and poor Piglet is the sheriff, and he's like, I don't want to be the sheriff. I don't want to be the sheriff. <laughs> and uh, there's also an episode where that's sort of similar to the story in the movie, the first Pooh Bear movie where Pooh runs out of honey, and he goes to Eeyore, or goes to Eeyore, goes to Rabbit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he gets stuck. And in this one, <laughs> It's the same thing. Rabbit sees him coming and is like trying to to board up all of the you know the doors to his house, but he forgets to do the back door. And Pooh just walks in and he's handing him the wood, so like nice. keep nailing the door shut. There's just some really great moments for these characters in in the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. It was probably my favorite of all of the Pooh things, and I, maybe it's because it was on for a while and. It was on every day on TV, or it felt like it was on every day. So it started in January of 88, and it ran until 1991. That's actually a really long time. Mm -hmm. And it started on the Disney Channel, actually, in 88, but then it moved in September of 88 to ABC. So it originally was on the Disney Channel and got moved, maybe to have a bigger audience. And in 89 to 1990, it was paired with the Gummy Bears for their Power Hour of Bears. And then it was syndicated until 1993 on ABC. And in December of 1995, it actually returned to ABC Saturday mornings until 2002, mm-hmm. except for in 96 to 97 for some reason. They took it off. But it was there until th- 2002. And then the Disney Channel actually started reruns of it in 94 until 2006. And then reruns of it aired on Playhouse Disney from 1999 to 2006 and on Toon Disney from 1998 to 2004. So it was basically on every Disney channel that was available, which is why it sticks in my head. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter what, it was New there. Adventures of Winnie the Pooh was on. Yeah. <laughs> no matter yeah. where you were. Um, what about, I mean, like, so this was Saturday morning viewing for you? Do you remember watching on Saturday mornings? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and my grandma recorded it, and I could watch it whenever I wanted. Nice. So yeah. yes, I remember. I mean, I remember it was. There, it was. It was either on right before or right after something. I would watch on Gummy ABC. Bears? No, no, it was it was something else. Um, maybe it came on later in the in the day because I never did watch any of this cartoon. Not that you know, I'm not against uh, old uh, old Pooh Bear by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I just uh, just never watched it. Um, it wasn't quite in my wheelhouse. Again, I'm all boy, and I wanted my adventure and my excitement, and I just was... I didn't want the cute cuddlies on Saturday mornings, I guess. But it's adventures. It's the new adventures. Yeah. Of I, Winnie the Pooh. I felt like I'd kind of outgrown those Pooh Bear-type adventures, I guess. But yeah. you haven't, Steve. I guess not. Did I ever tell you the Tigger movie story? No, but the Tigger movie is a good movie. We'll have to we'll have to save that for a later date. We'll have to... We should do it when we review the Tigger movie. Will we review the Tigger movie? I don't know. Okay. 
But it did win two Emmy daytime Emmy awards. Yeah, yeah. It won in '89. So if you remember, Ducktales was nominated mm-hmm. in 1990. Mm-hmm. It actually was nominated in '89 and '90 for outstanding animated program. Mm-hmm. Guess who won? Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh beat out Ducktales. It won outstanding animated program in '89, but in 1990 it won, but with a tie. I don't get how a daytime Emmy can end in a tie. I That's don't, ridiculous. You just they but don't it, they don't want to give it to one specifically. Yeah, but it tied with Beetlejuice. Yeah, Beetlejuice. How did that get an outstanding animated programming? I, don't, I have no idea. I don't know. I never watched it. I was never into the Beetlejuice thing. Uh, my number two is as sentimental as yours for me as it is as yours is for you goofy we all know that it's i've made it abundantly clear when i could not talk to bill farmer early on in the life of this show and uh i was really stoked when they had a goofy cartoon uh come to the disney afternoon uh situation and on abc on saturday mornings uh september 1992 to december 93 of course this got followed up by a goofy movie and then later an extremely goofy movie the superior of course being a goofy movie which i love and uh, again, this was, uh, you know, this expounded a little bit on the life of Goofy. He had a kid. We never really talked about where his mom went, where Max's mom went. Uh, but it was Goofy and Max. And you had Pete and his family uh, with his wife, Peg, and then his son, PJ, um, played, who was voiced by Rob Paulson, who also does The Brain of Pinky and the Brain fame. Uh, and many, many more voices. I mean, he's, he's, he is, he's one of those voices that when you hear him do a voice like he does for PJ that it's like I recognize him from a million thousand other things and um, and, oh oh, PJ I really this was a good good show I really did enjoy it and um and I uh, did watch Goof Troop yeah it was fun it was a lot of fun it was I really liked it I I've always loved Max Mm -hmm. um oh I got to meet Max. I know. <laughs> it was so awesome. But I I actually, I just, I like Goofy as a character, probably as much as you do. He's probably one of my favorites out of the Sensational Six. Mm-hmm. So him and Donald. Mm-hmm. I do love me some Mickey, but him and Donald yeah. are just, that, maybe that's why I like DuckTales so much, because it's ducks mm-hmm. and not mice. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what that says about Because everyone me. knows mice are nasty little critters. Well, so. not Mickey. Mickey's not nasty. Maybe we like Goofy because he's a dog. 
I just like Goofy because he's funny. I'm telling you, those classic Goofy cartoons, those Goofy shorts, are just some of the funniest stuff in the world. Today, they still hold up to this day to me. Mm-hmm. You know, learning how to ski, learning how to play sports, all the different stuff that he would learn to do, they still hold up. I, I just... I just have always loved Goofy and still to this day just um, love him, love him. I don't know. I've never met him like I've never met the character down in any of the Disney parks or anything, and I don't really know what I would do if I did. I think I would end up being a 40-year-old blubbering mess in front of Goofy. He would love it. He would love you so much. Y'all would laugh together. Yeah, yeah. It would be good. Just Just makes you wonder and wish for the days. Wish for the days. So... Well, we're at our number one, Teresa, and we've once again, we've converged mm-hmm. on a number one Disney television show. And I know there's a ton that are left out. We didn't do honorable mentions so we could revisit this because I know some of you are asking about like your Aladdin series, your Little Mermaids, your uh, uh, Timon and Pumbaa, your uh, Gargoyles, which is a show that I've never visited that I need to sit down and watch, I'm told. you know, So all kinds of fun stuff out there. But this is our number one. Ah, uh, welcome to Rebel Yell, ladies and gentlemen. Our look at the wait, no, that's not right. Uh, Star Wars. <laughs> Dude, you don't even know though. Right now, I want to talk about the Trials of the Dark Saber so bad, but I can't because I don't think you've seen it. I've not. No, I've been podcasting. But I have. <laughs> Is it that good? Oh my god. Good. Yes. Good. I actually called Irish right after watching it. He hadn't seen it yet. No. Oh. So I was quickly bummed that i couldn't talk about it so uh y'all need to watch it okay well star wars i tell you what now and and it well documented on the show if you go back and listen to the archives of this or geek out loud as we were preparing to go into rebels as we discovering as we were discovering what it was i was still bitter about the demise of the clone wars um i was confused as to what disney was doing with my beloved star wars there was so much that was being taken away um at the time and then they started to give back and rebuild and and build up and and i was very skeptical about this show they had me though from the very first episode when and it's all that moment where kanan steps out saving those wookies and puts that lightsaber together dodges that one blaster bolt and it's just on like neck bone from that point on it's like let it begin exactly exactly let it begin um so yeah, that, you know we love it. You can listen to Rebel Yell. It's Star Wars, of course we love it. Uh, you can listen to us on Rebel Yell, talk about episode by episode, and um, and that's been one of the things that I'm really glad that Teresa has made me do is to talk Star Wars on a weekly basis. We had a question about who the baby Wookiee is. Kitwar. Kitwar. Yeah. He's the cutest. He's the cutest little guy. Kitwar. Um. I love getting to talk to you guys about Rebel Yell, about Rebel Yell, about Rebels on Rebel Yell, and it's such a good show, and it's just getting better, and every time we think that it's gotten to a point where it's really good, they blow us out of the water again, and I cannot wait for this storyline to play out. Mm-hmm. I hope it's a very Clone Wars three-episode type arc. Mm-hmm. I just... Oh, Rebels. Ah, 
and the voice <laughs> cast, and they're so genuinely cool and just amazing people. And I don't know what else I can say other than they need to release the music on a soundtrack that we can buy, please, because uh, I need this music in my life. Well, I'll tell you, season one and two is out there. Is it? Mm-hmm. Since when? Uh, it's been out there. You can go to Amazon and, and download digitally the uh, the season one and season two music. Um, I don't know about I don't know. There's anything from season three out there quite yet. I did not know that actually. Yeah. So you might want well, to check that out. That's neat. Yeah. Um. So that's it, ladies and gentlemen. That's our top ten. And and as we said, we know there's some left out. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, what did we leave out that you love? You can email us, Vault Talk, right? Yep, Vault Talk at gmail.com. And of course, uh, go over to the Facebook group, the Goliverse Facebook group. You can get there by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. Uh, right now, though, the, the real plugs that we want to give you are to donate. Donate, donate, donate at geekoutonline.com slash cure because we're doing all this all day long live to raise money for Cure. You can find out more about Cure at Cure Childhood Cancer. Dot org. During the course of this episode, we have broken the $3,000 mark. We're up to a total of $3,085 raised for Cure. We're almost 60% of the way to our goal. And we want to thank everyone who donated. There were several who donated, as we said, during the course of the show. Jedi Schwa, Nemo Cat, uh, a.k.a. Jennifer G., Yitzi, Marcus, Mama Lowe. Jeff Serling. We had an anonymous, huge anonymous donation. We thank you for that. Carrie Brown, Patty Bones, Casey Yuri, and JC all coming through during this show, and we thank you so much for that. To find out more about Cure, it's curechildhoodcancer.org, and you can head over to geekoutonline.com slash cure to donate. Teresa, thank you for doing this, my friend. No problem. It's been fun, and uh, if you're around later on, we may be calling you back. We don't know. Sounds good. So, and <coughs> coming up on Disney Vault Talk will be Bolt. Yeah, or we may be able to get back in order since we've had to put we it may. off. Yeah, so. but uh, we're getting there, Steve. Uh-huh. We're about to hit some brick and we're about, Yeah. And yeah. some Tangled and some Frozen, Matt Marks, what's and up? Some, and some uh. Big Hero 6. Yes. So a lot of it. It's, it's we're about to get really good with with Disney Vault Talk, and then we roll into the Pixar stuff. So, man, mm-hmm. we're on a good swing with Disney Vault Talk. So stay tuned with us. Keep us in. Keep subscribed and all that good stuff. And uh, until next time, what do we say, Teresa? How does it go? Uh, you put me on the spot. <laughs> I believe it's may all your days be magical. Oh yeah. Yeah, and all your wishes come true. Have a good one, everyone. We'll see you next time. If I could make you stop and take a look at me instead of just.